Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbyte's weekly news show rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Hope you've all had a great weekend so far, good week. I hope you have a great rest of your week. I hope you've had a great life anyway. (laughs) I have a great show for you today. I got to sit down with uh, Imran Khan to discuss two major indie showcases as well as a pretty big game announcement. But first we have to get to our top stories of the week. In a week where a lot of little stories broke, it was kind of tough to see what was the big, big picture story of the week. So I went with something that has everything to do with a cultural impact from 20 years ago. That's right. Grand Theft Auto 3, as well as Vice City and San Andreas are apparently, according to a report on Kotaku.com, getting remasters for current-gen consoles. Uh, This is apparently going to come out in the fall. They were planning on packaging it alongside GTA 5 and online for current-gen consoles, but instead they wanted to spin it off into its own trilogy. So it's a remastered collection for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, PC, Stadia, Mobile, and even Nintendo Switch, which makes it the first time a Nintendo Switch has gotten a 3D Grand Theft Auto game. Uh, The updated games will be built in Unreal. Uh, They will have updated user interface. Some updated graphics will be apparently largely faithful to the PS2 originals. However, Uh, The expected release, again, is the fall, uh, October or November, which is fairly soon, so it's a little interesting that we haven't seen anything officially from this, Uh, but we should probably see some sort of trailer or announcement relatively soon if that timeline is true. Uh, That's a big story. These are three really impactful games, no matter what you think about the Grand Theft Auto series. I have my own opinions. Those PS2 games especially were really, really breakouts in terms of open world design and just doing something super different than what other folks were doing at the time. Uh, As a mainstay, as Grand Theft Auto is, uh, that first big game in that PS2 trilogy, GTA 3, uh, really, really, really changed things for the the industry. Um, So yeah, that's a pretty big announcement that came out this week and uh, be looking out for an official announcement pretty soon. Your PlayStation Plus subscription might get a little more anime-centric if a report from Eurogamer is to be believed. Uh, We knew about the $1 billion acquisition Sony has made for uh, Crunchyroll, uh, but now that was completed officially this past week. So now Sony owns Funimation and Crunchyroll. We've been curious for a long time about how they would roll Crunchyroll into the existing ecosystem, and now we have an idea. Uh, They intend to include Crunchyroll as part of a more expensive tier of PlayStation 
PlayStation Plus. Right now, that is a $9.99 monthly subscription. You can get some discounts for a year for like $60. Bucks. Um, so it'll probably be, I don't know, let's speculate, $12, $13, $15, something like that. Uh, Crunchyroll is a very large uh, anime streaming service, and if it has some sort of place on PlayStation consoles, it sounds like it could be a, uh, your one hub to watch a ton of anime, to play a ton of video games. Uh, maybe that's a huge value prop for for folks. I I don't know. You can watch Crunchyroll on your uh, on your devices pr- pretty much anywhere. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, if you like anime, uh, your your PlayStation Plus subscription might go a little bit further in the future. But we will let you know when we have more official details. The Activision Blizzard sexual harassment and pay disparity saga continued this week, of course, as it should, until everything is fixed. Anyway, uh, one of the really grim details from last week that we mentioned was the earnings call, where uh, financial institution after financial institution called in during a QA session asking about how these issues would affect productivity, asking about the product pipeline, asking about pretty much everything else except for hammering in possible details and solutions to fix their myriad of problems that they face going forward. Uh, this was not all bad news, apparently, because the SFC Investment Group, a shareholder in Activision Blizzard, did release a letter, which was posted by Axios this week, uh, saying that their uh, their promises so far are empty, and they, quote, haven't gone nearly far enough to address the deep and widespread issues with equity, inclusion, and human capital management. End quote. Uh, the letter also says no changes have been announced or proposed that would in any way alter the current process for filling vacancies, uh, which there are a lot of right now. Uh, in fact, more have been made in recent days, including folks uh, in charge of Diablo 4 and other major, major, major tentpole franchises. Uh, also, uh, the SOC group says no changes have been announced to, uh, uh, to fix executive pay, which is one of the issues that was uh, laid out in the initial lawsuit, uh, specifically Bobby Kotick, whose uh, whose own executive pay has ballooned and expanded in recent years, even as they've faced layoffs. Uh, those have not been addressed, according to SOC. Uh, and also the announced review by Winter uh, by Wilmer Hale, which is one of the uh, legal entities reviewing the case, uh, they is, quote, deficient in a number of ways. This firm has a sterling reputation as a defender of the wealthy and connected, but it has no track record for uncovering wrongdoing. The lead investigator does not have in-depth experience investigating workplace harassment and abuse, and the scope of the investigation fails to address the full range of equity issues Mr. Kotick acknowledges. End quote. Uh, so SOC also calls for a few other uh, solutions to actually go forward. One is increasing the board diversity uh, in, by adding a woman director, uh, preferably one with a history of advocacy for marginalized people and communities, um, and clawback bonuses, uh, undertaking a com- company-wide equity review. These are all things that SOC wants Activision Blizzard to do. Um, they, so far, Activision Blizzard has removed some folks from office, have said they're going to do certain things, but according to employees and also the SOC, not a whole lot has been put in action to actually fix the underlying issues. Uh, you can read the full letter, of course, on Axios. We also have the highlights over at fanby.com. It is an interesting uh, take from a financial institution, uh, which was very much in stark contrast with the other major investors that called in on that earnings call. 
If you were one of the folks that played the Back for Blood beta, you might have noticed this past weekend that um, one of the zombies uh, says a racial slur. Yep. <clears throat> it's actually really the effect of two underlying uh, sound effects layered on top of each other, but it does sound like a zombie is saying the N-word at various times. Uh, WEB Games uh, noticed the error after a bunch of people pointed it out and said, quote, Our team has been made aware of offensive language that can be heard when playing the game. This was not recorded or ever intended to be part of our gameplay. The audio is a result of two different ridden growls that are playing simultaneously and when heard together sound like that word. We are working diligently to fix this issue, which should be completed either in time for the beta or when the game launches. End quote. That's satisfying. Pretty quick solution. I will just say just for the room. It's very clear that that's what that, uh, those zombie growls sound like. And I do believe that it is an accident. But it is kind of interesting that no one in QA caught that and um, said, hey, this sounds like the N-word. Maybe we should get it out of there. Anyway, Back for Blood will launch on October 12th. And it will apparently launch without any sort of uh, potentially offensive zombie growl. Gamescom is going digital again because of the rise of the Delta variant of COVID-19, of course. And Xbox will be there in spirit, at least, uh, doing an individual game showcase uh, on Tuesday, August 24th. That's at 10 a.m. Pacific time. The opening night live show actually takes place the next day, uh, so it's a little confusing, but it's still a Gamescom kind of week event. Uh, anyway, you'll get a lot of information from previously announced Xbox Game Studios titles, along with some third-party partners, uh, including a lot of uh, the holiday lineup. So if you're interested in what is for sure coming to Xbox this holiday season, it sounds like the Gamescom event will be interesting for you. Life is Strange True Colors is coming in under a month, but with it, in a few weeks after its release, on September 30th, is Life is Strange Wavelengths, which is a DLC prequel, which will focus on Steph's early days working at a radio station slash record store. And that'll be a key part to her character in True Colors. If all of that means something to you, you've been paying more attention to the Life is Strange canon than I have, but uh, I have it on good authority that Steph first appeared as a minor character in Life is Strange Before the Storm, and she'll be getting a much bigger role in True Colors, where she'll be a friend and potential love interest of the main character, Alex Chin. If you want to see more details on this, Kenneth Shepard has a great piece over at fanpy.com about the DLC. One of the coolest mic drops on Twitter this week was Idris Elba taking to his Twitter account and saying, knock, knock with a very large, glowy, cool image of Knuckles' fist. That's right, Knuckles the Echidna. He is going to be Knuckles the Echidna in Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. Uh, that casting is apparently official. It is super, 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 super exciting. Everyone was like, yeah, this is actually a perfect casting. Uh, no word yet if Idris Elba will be using his uh, his actual native accent, his English accent that you could hear in uh, the Suicide Squad as Bloodsport, or if he'll be donning his very convincing, very, very excellent American accent like he did in The Wire as Stringer Bell. Is you taking notes on a criminal f***ing conspiracy? Either way, 
I can hear both, and I think both would be great. I think this is maybe one of the best casting decisions I've seen in a really long time, and it has fully made me excited for the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Um, There was more stuff that happened this week uh, alongside two really major uh, indie game showcases. There was also a pretty shocking revelation about a new game in the Xenoblade canon. Uh, To discuss all of those things, I sat down with news editor Imran Khan. So let's go over to that conversation. Hey, Imran, how's it going? It's going well, John. How about you? I am doing okay. Um, one of my favorite subgenres of um, of like anything that happens in the games industry are interviews with voice actors that are basically removed from the entire flow of game development, and then <laughs> they just and then they just say shit. Um, that happened this week, didn't it? Mm-hmm. It happened <laughs> specifically with our. So it happened actually a couple of months ago. It went viral <laughs> this week. What happened is a very small YouTube channel bought basically what is a video chat slash interview with Jenna Coleman, who is a British actress who, you know, worked on Doctor Who. And she's she's not small time. She was small right. time when she first voice acted in Xenoblade 10 years ago, but she is no <laughs> longer small time. So this person who is a Xenoblade fan bought this interview slot and talked to Jenna Coleman a little bit. And she ended up maybe a little kind of stumbling a bit and blurting out more things than she needed to blurt out. It was so funny because she says, um, she says, and I think they're going to do another. And then she goes, common knowledge. Don't know. Yeah. I think they're going to do another. Not sure if I'm allowed to say that, which is like the, I just love, I just love it when I see like, I don't know. I feel like Tom Holland is like the, the, the worst defender of this in the MCU of saying shit out of turn. But I just love it when I see voice actors do this. And it's happened like five or six times at this yeah, point. Yeah. And I like, feel like it's reasonable because they don't, it's they don't totally understand reasonable. the video game industry is fucking weird. No. Of, we're so secretive about the smallest things. And the fact that, Monolith Soft has said a Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is going to happen. Or they yep. said they're working on a new game. Uh, Takahashi said, I think, last year, yeah, Nintendo only greenlights Xenoblade stuff these days. So <laughs> we can. it's not hard to piece together the information. But like, if this were the movie industry, like you mentioned, Marvel was secretive. But there, for the most part, they announced ga- our movies like three, four years ahead of time. Games yeah. get like six month lead time these days. So it's such a big coup when some of this stuff gets announced. And like, I'd been kind of sitting on this thing for a while because like I, mm-hmm. I knew and I was like, eh, there's no point in me just kind of blurting out that there's a Xenoblade 3. Everyone kind of knows. But then like the voice actor story comes out I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just tell, <laughs> let's I, go. <laughs> yeah, let's just tell people Xenoblade 3's in development. So yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 3's in development. What do we know about it? Do we know anything of substance? Uh, so from what I had heard, and I had talked to somebody who was very intimately familiar with the development, and they, one, they described the story a bit to me, and they they had seen it running, they'd seen these characters, uh, but they said, this takes place long after Xenoblade 2. There's a, the DLC for Xenoblade 2, they bridged that game in Xenoblade 1 in like a, uh, quantum leap crossover style way but like in a way that actually could bring those two characters to bring those two games together in a much more firm way uh that seems to be the case in xenoblade 3 that is a story that takes place many many possibly like 
eons after. I'm not quite sure, but in a situation where a lot of the characters are already dead and yeah. the immortal characters have survived and they are now living in a world that has is long past the characters they've adventured with before. That's kind of the extent I know about the story, but it does sound like I, I was looking on the internet. And I was looking to see what people were discussing about it, and there are a lot of people who, a lot of who they guessed would be around this time are you know accurate guesses. So yeah. it's not like it's going to be like a galloping shock for who these characters are. Right. Uh, we also know this game is really struggling right now to be optimized for the Switch, or at least it was mm. a couple of months ago. Well, I don't know how. Like maybe they've cracked that case by now. But they, Monolith Soft really wanted to get into larger scale battles for this one, and. That meant having more characters on screen and more enemies on screen, which I, I don't know if you've played Xenoblade 2, John, but yeah. that game ran badly. Yeah, it chugs a little bit. So, yep. I, I, again, it's been years. Usually, like, sometimes developers do unlock the potential of a console over the years and, like, really code to the metal and make, a, make some surprising strides. But I, I feel like this sounds like a very ambitious game technically and those yeah. games for that game was ambitious in 2017 so i'm very curious if it's like how that ends up performing and maybe that's one of the reasons they haven't shown it yet because they're still waiting on making sure it looks nice yeah i mean not to get into total speculation territory but from from what you're saying it almost sounds like maybe a more powerful nintendo switch would have been nice to have uh available for something like this but that was speculation yeah. that i was like i wonder if i should put this in the story and i was like no that's gonna start a whole thing <laughs> it's gonna, gonna start gonna a whole into. thing yeah. yeah but it's but it's like yeah like the delays on that thing whether uh, uh, you know uh, the accurate reporting on that entire thing has been just kind of thrown i don't know th- thrown up in the air and it's kind of hard to grab what's real and what's not but like you know, that, the the new Pokemon Legends game, Breath of the Wild 2, like, these are all games that I would be, a Splatoon 3, all games that look uh, and, and, and need that extra horsepower. So it'll be interesting to see if, like, it, maybe they're waiting for that. Like, I don't know. But it, it, yeah, that would be, it would be weird if they come out with a game in 2022, 2023 that runs as bad as Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> 2 did. So, yeah, I I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it. Uh, I'm not at all confident that it's going to be like a technical marvel, but I Xenoblade ones are not well. Actually, one and two had very like amazing artistry in terms of like the vistas and stuff like that. Like there's there's areas that they don't call attention to in that game. Uh, I was very recently in that game. I was just in an area that's just a bunch of connected bridges to like squid monster towns like yeah. that's super cool that is a cool yeah. looking visual and i'm like even if they don't technically nail it at least the screenshots are gonna look great yeah i mean the the, the remaster the switch version of, of of the first game is i think holds up very well i think it is a like technically impressive even if it still looks like an older game so i don't know i i know they won't err on the side of that but it's like well yeah i don't know they could take some lessons i guess yeah and like what um, from what I've heard about the story, the fact that they remade or remastered Xenoblade One kind of makes yeah. some sense. Because like, oh, you're probably going to need a lot of these assets <laughs> again, mm-hmm. aren't you? So it probably makes sense to make a Switch version of this game. Yep, yeah, it does. Um, another thing you covered this week was the uh, the Xbox uh, ID at Xbox show. Right. That first of all, that is a branding identification that I, I'm I've still never really latched onto, but. Um, I think they should go straight to X Bendy's. What do you think? 
I think it should be somewhere around like Xbox Indies is probably like the most logical thing because I don't sure. I don't know anyone besides Microsoft that calls it ID at Xbox because that right. branding it, is it, all over the place when you go to those events, but then nobody says that. Nobody says it. Yeah, nobody says it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, well, there were a bunch of games that got uh, either announced or just listed. Uh, you can find the entire list over at fanby.com. Imran uh, made a list for us. Thank you so much. Did you see anything from this uh, collection that you were particularly interested in? Uh, I thought Aeon Drive was a very cool looking, like nice little action game. Uh, yeah. Lab Rat was very interesting when I was looking at that. Paparazzi <laughs> is like it's a new kit fox game which are like the boyfriend dungeon people and like yes. that game just looks super f- it's pokemon snap with puppies great. which is yeah. like I, i'm surprised it took this long for somebody to <laughs> it's just, a really good idea <laughs> yeah uh stardew valley coming to game pass is a really big coup i think even though i think yeah. most people have played that game the fact that it's now freely available is lets people just go like, all right cool i'm i've heard a lot about this game i'm gonna try it out uh what else the veil shadow of the crown which is a game that like I saw the description of, and I had to look up afterwards because I couldn't believe <laughs> the description, but it is a entirely blind accessible game. It is I, a game. I, it's like, so amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I went, I was like, okay, this can't be what I think it is. Right. So I like looked it up and there's a steam version currently out and all the screenshots are literally just blank. Like they're, that's they're great. Just that's so of cool. Stars. And like the setup is you're a warrior who, in order to better tune your senses, have blindfolded yourself. So like you are only going by audio cues and like narration, essentially. So yeah. I think that's a very cool idea. And like this, that one's not on Game Pass, but I think if it ever does show up on Game Pass, I'll be like, I'm, I'll definitely give this a try. But that's yeah, a very cool idea. I would love to check that out. I think that's such a cool idea. I love, I don't know. I think, I think interactive audio is such like an interesting medium anyway, but the accessibility of it is so incredible too. So, right. Uh, um, they, the, the show itself was like nearly two hours long, which I think is way too long for this kind wild. of show. Yeah. Uh, and also I don't think they showed the hosts everything before they aired them, which is like, a weird production thing. That's interesting. Of, yeah. Cause like, uh, Steve Saylor was one of the people who was hosting this. And oh, yeah. when I forget what game it was, but they aired a trailer and he said, was that the game freak logo? It's like, no, it wasn't. And I like, that's not on Steve Saylor. That, that oh, kind of right. like game freak logo, but it's like, why, how do they don't put your host on the spot? Yeah. yeah. L- let them know what games are showing and give them like a little fact sheet of data. So right. they, can, they can talk ed- educatedly about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty strange. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, there, there's a lot of stuff. I, uh, of course, an update on Ollie Ollie world looks cool. Um, I, I love those Ollie Ollie games. Uh, Sam and Max save the world remastered is coming, which is kind of funny. Um, I, I would prefer to play those. Sam and Max hit the road, honestly. Like, yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. Um, who owns the rights to those? Uh, would have gone through. I mean, I assume it's LucasArts still, so probably Disney. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Huh. Yeah, I did. I did. I couldn't remember if Tim grabbed that on his way out or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of stuff coming to Xbox. Uh, I think it was only like five confirmed Game Pass games out of those, uh, out of that entire list. But I'm, you know, almost certainly some more of yeah. these will show up on there at some point. So. I mean, Origami Two is one of them, and I really like that first game. So I might just like that's already out on Game Pass. So I might just go right. grab it today. 
Um, it, moving on to Nintendo. Nintendo had another, <laughs> to your point, a much shorter uh, uh, showcase, which introduced almost as many games, um, yeah. which was uh, pretty stacked. Like, what really stood out for you in the in the uh, Nintendo showcase? So they had a couple of like shadow drops, which is like Nintendo. The indie world. They used to brand it Nindies, but I think at some point we're like, no, that's stupid. Uh, so they had a couple of shadow drops, as they tend to do, and like Axiom Verge 2 was one of them, so I started immediately yeah. playing that. Uh, not super hot in that game, personally. <laughs> really? What, well, let's let's stay on that for a second. What Because what, I like the first game, but it is pretty hard Metroidvania. Does the second one do anything different? It, so the art looks a little nicer. I really like the world and the story and the setup and all that stuff. Like a lot of that is, you can tell it's the successor to Axiom Verge. They made a change to the boss fights, which mm. I think puts me off most of the game because like, you know how you, a Metroidvania boss fights work. You go into a, a room, a monster emerges from the darkness and like a, this boss music starts and you fight that boss and then you get a new yep. item or weapon or whatever. In this game, and they, they specifically cite the fact that other in Axiom Verge One, players couldn't always get past the bosses and stopped. The bosses aren't like they're not in discrete rooms. They're just kind of mm. in the map, and you don't really have to beat them. They are almost entirely optional. If you can get past them, you can get past them. Then you just get whatever you need and leave. And I think Interesting. that change makes it feel so much less interesting to me or not huh. even interesting like it, it feels unique but it feels unique in a way that doesn't feel challenging or engaging yeah i can see that that's interesting yeah i didn't know that that was one of the change i i saw that there were a lot of like seems like there are a lot of different ways to approach things now i mean axiom verge did that as well but um yeah like the expansion of like hacking systems and things like that looked interesting to me but yeah it's odd that they're doing that to the map it's it's it, i i have read that it's almost like a 2d open worldy kind of thing i don't know how accurate that is or if the things are still gated i uh, you can't so like it's all sequence break, breakable in a way that like I feel like even Axiom Verge 1 was a little bit more. Yeah, they kind of did that. Yeah. yeah. But I was able to make jumps just, you know, well before the, and I could tell because I was dying very easily to the enemies, <laughs> that, like well before I was should have been allowed to do so. So it does feel a bit more open. Like my initial thought of, oh, this kind of reminds me of Mario 64 in a weird way of, hey, mm. the castle's just open to you. Just go do whatever you want. But a bit more like difficult if you happen to make the wrong turn. Wild. All right, what else was there on the, uh, the, the, the showcase that you liked? Uh, I really like Metal Slug Tactics. The more we see of that oh, game, the more I'm that interested. That was so good. Uh, the now Focus Home Interactive.mu is working on that game. <laughs> but, yep. like, that, it it's a little bit like, it's not like I went going, oh, this is what I wish Advance Wars would look like, but I do think this game looks just amazing. And I, yeah. I think it'll be worth it to play if, if only just a gawk of the sprite work, which is yeah. kind of the legacy of Metal Slug in general. Of, yeah. I just really love the sprite work. This game's not as good as Contra, but the rest of the game, the rest of the sprite well, work, great. Well, they had this, you know, they had a, a really a super brief talking head uh, with, with some folks at Dot Emu and like the entire time because uh, th- they, they go, uh, this is a different way to play it. And that that's almost exactly what I thought. Imran was like, you know what? Those games weren't very good. Like <laughs> Street Street like Streets of Rage, what they did with that was, was like those games fucking whipped. So like let's make a really good modern version of that. With this, it's almost like they went the sprite work is great, the concept is great. Hey, the game's not great. So what do we do with it? We make it a tactics game, which I think is brilliant. I think yeah. it's super smart. 
Yeah, um, Metal Slug was always like a quarter muncher in a way that like right. was frustrating when you were playing it at home of, hey, I didn't that seems real unfair for me to get hit by that thing. I it's it's like the core level of Contra design or uh-huh. a Contra Metal Slug whatever 2D shooter design of I should be able to see when I get killed by things. If I don't, then I'm going to get very mad. And Metal Slug mm-hmm. is just that all the time. Yeah, one of the games that I I really really loved, uh, which I, I believe we saw for the first time, is a game called Toem, which is like black and white. It is a kind of isometric. It almost looks like chicory a little bit, but mm-hmm. then you can take photos of things um, in this kind of like. There's a lot of depth. Everything is 3D when you switch to this like photo mode. Um, I thought that game looked really interesting. Uh, yeah, that me. game looked great. Like yeah. that's that seems like a thing that could catch on in a way that like say in Umarangi Generations or something like that. Yeah. Something that was like you know not necessarily breaking uh, through into the mainstream, but it's like everyone. It's a lot of people just have it on the like, game of the year list at the end of the year, and like that yeah. game looks like a very pleasant, cozy uh, entry into that category. Uh, yeah. I they showed off Eastward, which was their like one more mm. thing, mm-hmm. which I I have. I feel like that game was perpetually on the verge of coming out for the last five years. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. Now they gave it an actual date. It's like it's in three weeks or four weeks. And that that's exciting. But also that that game looks like Mother 3 or inspired by Mother 3 to an extent that I kind of wonder if I should just play Mother 3 instead. Yeah. It, so it does look a lot like Mother 3. I watched like a 20 minute gameplay uh snippet of this game and i'll tell you what it it's a it's a zelda i mean it's a zelda capital z zelda game even down to you find cooking stations out in the world the the food bounces in the pan (laughs) while it's making like a pot banging noise um there you have a like a cell phone that beeps when you get close to a shrine Mm. Like it is a Zelda ass Zelda game and it looks cool, but I, I, you know, I kind of knew about this game and I didn't know much about it. And then we saw the trailer and I watched some stuff. It's, it's, it looks, it looks interesting. It's out in a month, but you are right. Like, I do wonder, like, is it, is it, is its wings melting, getting too close to the sun of these other things that is reminding us of, I don't know. (laughs) If it were me, if I were designing that Nintendo Indie World, I would have put Tetris Effect as the one more thing because that's, that's the one that gets one. me. Like that's yeah. Like, I I just I want more portable Tetris. I don't care like in what <laughs> what ex- level you give it. Like Tetris ninety nine is a great Tetris game, but I want just like that visual effect of Tetris Effect. And like I've been waiting for it to come to Switch for years at this point. I have it already on PC, Quest, uh, PS four, and Xbox. So. Yep. No. No reason not to get this final one. No, it's great. Well, I, I, well, unless and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw an unless in here. Mm. How do we think this is gonna run? Because I'm curious about that. I think it is a visually taxing game in some ways, and maybe they optimize it. But it's at 480p, so maybe it's fine. I don't know. Yeah, um, that that could be real. I have to imagine, like. I have to imagine it is at least running the Tetris fine. part well, right. and like the background effects may chug a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that, I'm, I'm curious about that, but whatever. I'm still excited about this. A few of us are taking a train ride in September, and I'm like, I'm already thinking about like, oh, I'm gonna play this on the train. Cool. That that sounds fun. So, did did you ever play the multiplayer part of it? I have not. No. It is 
a surprisingly amazing experience. That's awesome. Like it's if especially if you, people are in the same. Like I guess with the Switch version, maybe there'll be local multiplayer, which is oh would be gosh, fantastic. That's so cool. Yeah. But like it's one of those games you need to play with like the volume full up because what it does is everyone will like do have their own individual puzzle boards against a boss, and then at yeah. some point. Uh, I forget what triggers it exactly, but everyone joins together in one big puzzle board and it like the music shifts in a way that is like vaguely religious in a weird, like, mm. of, oh, wow, this is, this is exactly the right tone to hit. That's amazing. That's so cool. Um, I think one of the, the biggest surprises for me, we could leave it here, but like uh, a Shovel Knight pocket dungeon was a weird, like, it reminded me a little bit of Grindstone, but also uh, Cadence of Hyrule. Like, it was kind of bizarre. I, was this on your radar at all? No, this was a new announcement, and I figured they yeah. wouldn't, like... They they already have another Shovel Knight game in development with another, like, outsourced studio. And outsourced maybe like, that sounds too negative, but it's a studio that's not yet called yeah. Games. Yeah, and I kind of... I didn't expect them to announce another one. They, they are franchising Shovel Knight, like, which is, you know... They've been doing that for years. They've been putting yeah. him in everything, but they're franchising Shovel Knight games in a way that makes me think they want Shovel Knight to literally be the indie Mickey Mouse or the indie Mario. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might be they might get a little rude awakening when these games come out and are not not what Shovel Knight fans expected. So right. m- maybe it is like maybe these games come out and they are are actually amazing. I'm personally just kind of waiting for Yacht Club Games to make a Shovel Knight 2 or whatever their yeah. next like successor is. I I think those characters are neat. I don't need to see them in vi- a bunch of other games. But again, this game might be really good. I'll give it a shot when it does come yeah. out. I think you and I are on the same page there in terms of like, I attribute a lot of Shovel Knight's success to the fact that they've uh, perfected, they, they basically asked the question like, what if people kept making NES games for 20 years? Like that's a, that like the power of shovel Knight is in the mechanic complexity of a game that looks and kind of still behaves like something I played when I was a kid, which is like really impressive. But I don't know if I like attach that nostalgia and that affection to the character itself. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, interesting. it's, I don't think shovel, they want to treat shovel Knight as if shovel Knight is mega man. And right. that that is a difficult proposition. Yeah, that's tough. That is a tough one. Uh, yeah, wow. Well, there were a ton of uh, games. Uh, Game Beast was also shown uh, running at about 15 frames per second. Yeah, that, that was I, to the point where I'm like, I'm surprised they didn't just show Xbox or PC footage. Me that too. Was, that looks real bad. That looks really bad. But there was some other stuff. Astroneer's coming to Switch. There's a winemaking simulator, which is wild. Um I don't know, just a ton of stuff. And the entire list is over at fanbyte.com, uh, courtesy of Imran Khan, of course. Um, anything else that happened this week? Uh, anything you're playing that you want to end up end with? Uh, no, I'm on one of those weird kicks where I'm like, I don't know exactly what I want to play. Because Ace yeah. Attorney is very long. I'm really enjoying that game, but I had to stop yeah. somewhere in the middle of like, I'll come back to this in a little bit because I'm, I'm burned out. So I, <laughs> I started playing Contra, not, not technically Contra, uh, Hardcore Uprising to just like go oh, ahead and yeah. finish that game. That is sure. another game that very unfair. They did not design that game super well. I really <laughs> like it in terms of, I really want to, it, it's a game inspired by hard or contra hardcore, which is one of my favorite Genesis games. Yeah. But they, they make it. So you, 
at your highest level, you have seven hits and like nine lives. So they take advantage of that by making just some of the hits just cheap as hell. Oh my god, that's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. still uh, like, still I, it, I'll take the control wherever I can get it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Except for that mobile game, I've heard that one's bad. <laughs> <laughs> have not played anyway. It, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, All right, Imran, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. Okay, we got some new game releases coming out this week that I'm going to tell you about. Uh, First is Row 96, which is a PC and Switch game. Uh, It's an action-adventure game. Don't know much about this one. It's a solo joint, though, so if you want to play it by yourself, you can play it. It'll be out on the 16th. Uh, Greek Memories of Azure is a PS5, Xbox X, and S uh, PC and Switch game. It's an action game. Looks like a cool little dungeon crawler with an interesting art style. Uh, it, it looks pretty neat. It's out on August 17th. Uh, Humankind is the big 4X strategy game coming from Amplitude and Sega. That's also on August 17th, so get ready for that if you have a PC. Um, on Also on August 17th, the big, huge, massive War for Wakanda Marvel's Avengers expansion that hits PlayStation 5, 4, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, Stadia, and PC. Uh, that is a really huge expansion. If you're into Marvel's Avengers, I keep hearing scuttlebutt that this actually might be kind of the expansion that gets more folks into it uh folks who are excited about this game already are super jazzed about it so yeah check that out it's such an interesting game i don't really get it honestly uh, the, the looter mechanics layered on top of the actual interesting story stuff anyway there is a soul of a good game in here somewhere and war for wakanda probably gets at that more than any of the other expansions that they've done so far so look out for that on the 17th on uh, August 19th, uh, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S and PC are getting recompile. Uh, a cool hack and shoot uh, is what they're calling it, uh, which is kind of a cool uh, action adventure game you should check out. Uh, Rims Racing is a racing game coming to Xbox One. Uh, Xbox X and S, PlayStation 4 and 5, as well as Switch and PC. Uh, it's a cool optimized game for all of those platforms. And if you like racing, motorcycle racing especially, uh, this should be an interesting one for you. Uh, on August 19th as well, there's the, the Veil Shadow of the Crown coming to Xbox One and PC. We saw a little bit of that on the Xbox Showcase uh, that uh, that uh, Imran alluded to. Uh, it is an audio-driven adventure. I'm so excited to check this out this week. Uh, please, please check it out. It's a really cool step forward in accessibility. I can't wait to try it. Uh, also on August 19th is a game called 12 Minutes. Uh, it is a star-studded uh, top-down uh, puzzle adventure game uh, from Anna Perna and, and developer Luis Antonio. Uh, our own Elise Favis sat down with Luis Antonio to discuss a bunch of stuff like puzzle design, working with the star-studded cast that includes Willem Dafoe, James McAvoy, and Daisy Ridley. Uh, Luis is a big fan of games uh, like Monkey Island and Day of the Tentacle, but wanted to do something really different. Uh, this game involves a time loop and trying to solve a big mystery. Looks really cool. That interview that Elise did with Luis Antonio is super great. You can go check it out right now at fanbyte.com. Uh, also, uh, Arietta of Spirits is coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on August 20th. Uh, looks like a cool little adventure game with a, 
uh, really cute art style. So go check that one out. Uh, we have the Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut also coming on August 20th. That is, of course, on PlayStation 5 and 4. Uh, it's a really big expansion. It includes a new place and some new armor and a bunch of cool new stuff. This is one of those weird underrated games. I think a lot of people actually play this game and liked it. But when I picked it up, I was actually shocked at how much I liked this game. So if you haven't given it a chance yet, the Director's Cut seems like a great place to start. Uh, and finally, uh, Madden NFL 22, <laughs> maybe kind of sneaking under the radar a bit. It comes out on August 20th, PlayStation 5, for Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Google Stadia, and PC. Uh, I've been playing it. I can't say anything about it yet, but I've been playing it. So check out uh, my impressions uh, when they are uh, going up on August 20th. Uh, but yeah, Madden's yearly installment is out uh, this week. Uh, and that's uh, that's about it. There's not a ton happening in the streaming world. I'd update y'all with with those things like I usually do, but there wasn't a lot. Uh, the What If series on Disney Plus uh, dives into a bunch of interesting uh, what ifs about the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe and beyond. So that's kind of a cool one. Uh, I've, I've heard mixed feelings about it, honestly, but uh, I, I will definitely be checking that out this week. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what's coming up for you this week. And yeah. Uh, Hope you enjoy at least one or two of those games. It's kind of a stack lineup. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my guest, Imran Khan, for stopping by talking about the Nindies, the X-Bindies, and everything in between. Uh, you can follow Imran at Imran, Z-O-M-G, on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow Paul, my wonderful producer, you can follow him at Polymayo. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Floppy Adult. And uh, you know what? Thanks so much for stopping by. This has been a blast. Until next week, you're welcome. Thank you.